Haste, lady bosses, and welcome to the Chardonnay and Slay Your Business podcast. I'm your host, Jamie King, aka the Slay Coach, your fave beauty school dropout turned biz mentor who in less than two years retired her master's educated husband and built a million dollar brand. Now I'm the cool mom of three sassholes, world traveling speaker, spiritual truth teller, and a resident potty mouth. And in this show, each week, you'll hear from myself and other rule-breaking industry experts on how to grow and scale your passion-based business. Each episode, you will learn how to stand out in a crowded space without selling out. Now, pour a glass of Chardonnay and get ready to slay with me. Hello, my lovely Slady bosses, and welcome, welcome to my live today. Today, you guys, is a pop-up, um, something that's really fucking important that we need to be talking about about, but also a person I just want you to fucking know. I found her through one of my clients and I'm super grateful. So I want you guys to help me welcome spiritual online marketing strategist, Fallon Satterfield. Thank you for being here. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited for Yeah. So I found you through one of my clients and I'm an energy person and I know you're an energy person and I'm all about vibrations. And I wanted to highlight someone on my platform, a black woman that is speaking truth to power, that is also authentic and loving and has just a great energy. So I wanted to share your message, but not just about what's going on in the current climate. I want people to know who you are as a person because you're not an anti-racist like educator. Like that's not your profession. And I think it's really important that uh, us allies know that the black women in our community aren't here to make you look woke. Like you're not here to make us um, check off a diversity box. Like I went through the corporate diversity inclusion training. You know, I was in corporate leadership before I started this business and that that's not what this is about. Um, So we are going to be talking a little bit about authentic allyship, but also leadership in general and some things that you have coming up. So could you yeah. give my audience, could you tell them a little bit about you? Um, yeah. You are older beyond your years, my little <laughs> young, young squire. <laughs> I did not know you were such a thing. Yeah, I was like, oh God. So, I always get anxiety sometimes when I tell people my age because like. Own it, girl. Like, you know? Yes. So um, <laughs> I feel that. I had that in corporate America. I didn't want to tell everyone that I was managing hundreds of people and I'm 24. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I know. So tell them who you are, where you're from, a little bit about you. Yeah. So what's up, everybody? My name is Fallon Satterfield, obviously, and I live in Los Angeles, California. I have been a digital entrepreneur since summer of 2018. Um, I do content marketing, vibrational content, conscious marketing, all kinds of stuff. Um, marketing on a, no- a new dimension is what I like to call it. Um, and yeah, like other than that, um, originally from the Midwest, moved out to LA by myself, made a life for myself here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I would say that's pretty much it. I'm sure I'm going to make sure this video is going live in our groups and all the things because I had it scheduled too, but I just want to make sure it's showing up. Okay. We're good. So if you're hopping on live, say hello. Um, The comments are a little bit delayed me using BeLive, but Facebook Live was being a little weird. So, you know. Yeah. Um, Watch. (laughs) Okay. I'm sharing on my personal page and then. Okay. So 
I love your story. I love what you just said. So my story is super similar, except for what's up, Kaz? I'm glad you can see us. Thank you for letting us know. Yeah, drop us a comment to make sure I can know. Let me know where you're from, where you're watching from. If you know Fallon, if you're just getting to know Fallon, say hi, I'm new here. Um, for me, I I was like you. Because where are you from? Where were you born? Originally from Indiana. Oh, my people. Okay, what part? <laughs> um, I lived in Fishers and Zionsville, but then I was like actually born in Indianapolis. So, you know. Okay. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That's so funny. So, well, <laughs> I don't know if you know where I'm from. So, I'm in Louisville. Yeah. Yep. So, I've been there. Okay. Of course you have. Because everyone in Indiana has been to the other big everyone. city that's like nearby, <laughs> right? <laughs> Chicago, <laughs> right? It's like Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Chicago, Louisville. Those are like the, yeah, <laughs> the little, that's it. I mean, I guess Columbus and Cleveland, I don't know, but there's, there's other places up there. Right. Um, yeah. so I could not wait. So how big was your town that you grew up in? Uh, it was like, uh, not that big. I would say like not over 30,000 people, which is still kind of a lot, but like, it's probably smaller than that. Was there diversity in your town? I was maybe like one of 10 black people in my school in Indiana. That's so yeah. wild to me. Yeah. So I can't imagine from your perspective growing up on that side of things. And I had a similar story. Like I, I grew up in Kentucky, right? And yeah. when you grow up in Indiana and Kentucky or the Midwest in general, you probably have this existence of thinking, not all of us, but a lot of us have this existence of, oh, I can't wait to get out. Or yeah, <laughs> I can't wait to get out, you know, and thankfully I was in a really big urban area. I grew up in an urban area, but I remember being 19, 18, 19 and falling in love with a boy. And I stayed in Kentucky yeah. instead, but my whole life I was like, I can't wait to move to LA. I can't wait to move to LA. I can't wait to move to LA. <laughs> so is that where you are? What's up, Jasmine? Uh, Cass, we have wa- people watching from Scotland. Hi, Cass. Um, okay. So you're there now, right? Yeah. I'm in LA now. Awesome. What part? So I'm in like literally the Hollywood area. So it's probably like if you know where Studio City Mm -hmm. is and like Hollywood Boulevard, I'm probably like 10 minutes from Hollywood Boulevard. Yes. Okay, cool. So you you got out of Indiana. (laughs) I didn't. I stayed in Kentucky. (laughs) I mean, I travel a lot, but I got here. Okay, so we got you out of bumfuck Indiana. What's up, Nika? Watching from San Diego. What's up? Love you guys. Thank you for watching. So, okay. So you moved when you were 18? No. So, okay. Let me tell you a little bit about my backstory. So I was between Indiana and Virginia when like my entire childhood. So my dad lives in Indiana. I actually officially moved from Indiana when I was like nine years old, when my mom was like, I'm moving you away from here. Like, there's like, you know, a lot of family stuff with my dad and my stepmom and my mom just like didn't want me to like be around that. So she decided to move me from Indiana to Virginia, which is like near Washington, D.C. area mm-hmm. in Northern Virginia. And I had a very like unstable childhood. So a lot of my life, I was back and forth between both of my parents switching schools. I probably went to like three different elementary schools six or no, not six, um, well, between middle school and high school, like six different schools. And I ended up graduating high school in Indiana. And then from there, I went to college in Washington, DC. Okay. And then my second year of college, I decided to drop out. <laughs> and I was like, 
fuck this. Like, this is not for me. Like, I was studying computer science and, like, working a corporate job. And I was like, oh, fuck no. Like, I was like, what's going on here? And so that's in 2018, summer of 2018, I started my business. And um, then in December of 2018, I moved to L.A. And then last year, I was, like, a little bit back and forth between Virginia and L.A. But then now I'm here. Fully committed. Fully in. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the piece I think I was missing. I'm like, wait, how did we get from Indiana to LA and starting a business? And we all have that fuck this story, yeah. fuck this shit. I'm not doing this. <laughs> For me, it was high school. It was after high school. I was like, fuck y'all, y'all go to college. I ain't doing this shit. For yeah. most, for a lot of entrepreneurs, though, it's either like right after college or during college yeah. when they have that. So, what was that aha moment for you that? Oh. Yeah. So for me, it was like, I was going to classes, but like not paying attention in class. You know what I mean? I was like on my computer, like doing like shopping, online shopping or something. (laughs) And like, I was like sitting there and I was like thinking about the amount of debt I was accruing from like student loans. And then I was like, this isn't even what I really want to do. And then I started in my work environment because I was studying computer science and I decided early, I was like, let me like, try and get a job in this industry so like I can like get my foot in the door at least. So I was actually an office assistant at um, a federal IT contracting company. And um, so I was working there. And like during that time, I started having problems in my workplace where people were like being like, you know, in in corporate world where people are like super like, like there's no coffee in the thing. And like, well, I'm like, you're an adult, like get your own coffee. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like stuff like that. And so I... (laughs) Yeah, I started to realize, like, I don't want to be, like, I don't want someone to boss me around. Like, you know what I mean? And, like, I also had started, I was, like, in a relationship at the time, and I had started, like, having really, like, big problems in that relationship, and it kind of catapulted me into, like, personal development, where I was, like, I need, like, I think there's something better than this. You know what I mean? So, like, I discovered, like, all these personal development influencers and books and stuff like that. that's when I really started to kind of come into this place where I was like, I think I want to work for myself. You know, I had started with like yep. wanting to do blogging, like travel blogging. Yeah, yeah. I loved, yeah, I loved um, traveling and I love traveling and photography. So that's like something I do on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started out with like wanting to do like Instagram, like influencer travel blogging stuff. But then I discovered the personal development industry and I was like, oh my God, like I can teach people how to like be do and have everything they want and like all this stuff. So like at the time I was still very like not aligned with myself. I still hadn't really found my own identity. So when I first came into the space, I was doing like mindset stuff Mm -hmm. and manifestation stuff, but it wasn't really like my genius. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can you talk a little, let's, since you mentioned that word that we were talking about a little bit, we talked a little bit before we started this video And I think it's so, so, so important is what you just said, the word identity, how you identify and label yourself matters. And the labels you put on yourself matter just as much as the label society is putting onto you. So we can change our own labels whenever we fucking decide. So can you tell me a little bit more about the story of you coming to grips with your own racial identity? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, so it was when I was in college, actually, and I was at American University, in case you don't know, it's a predominantly white institution. Um, it's like very like, like a lot of politicians, kids go there, like Got it's it. very like that thing, you know? It um, sounds it's white. 
American University. <laughs> American, like literally, like what? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so um, when I was there on campus, my very first year of college, I'll never forget, there was um, a hate crime on campus oh where like these these white boys in this soror or this fraternity, they drew like dicks and like put like 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 the N word or like something I can't remember exactly what it was like on black girls' doors at the at the at oh the my campus. God. And then that's what really like catapulted my activism. So like right then I had joined um the in the campus NAACP. I had became like the vice president of my campus's NAACP branch and then um the second year there was another hate crime and this time it was from a group that was off campus where they came on campus mm -hmm. and hung bananas with nooses around the oh. on the campus and they wrote aka which is a, a a black sorority on the bananas and like hung it all around and my friends were aka's you know what i mean like i was hanging right. out with that crowd on campus and i was like so when people say racism doesn't exist, I want you guys to remember that she's 21 and she's talking about college. So yeah. Yeah. that was yesterday, basically. Yeah. <laughs> what, two <laughs> years ago? Yeah. Like I was, that was ooh, 2016 and 2017. Okay. So three years ago. Like, yeah. fuck, dude. Yeah. It was so wild. And so like that, when that happened, like my friends, I just saw, because my experience being living in the suburbs and growing up and my mom sheltering me from racism and me being a light-skinned person, I never really blatantly experienced racism until college. And so like seeing my friends who have experienced it before, like a lot of them were from different like cities, um, like Baltimore and different places and, and stuff like that, where it's very blatant and that, that was their experience that they grew up with mm -hmm. I just saw turmoil that they yeah. were experiencing and at first like it was hard for me to understand because I'm like but I don't relate yeah. you know like I I I'm you know like yeah. I to a certain extent I realized that I had privilege as a black light-skinned woman whose mother sheltered the shit out of her mm -hmm. and like didn't have to like experience certain things and or also even, like, like that light skin thing is something I had to learn growing up because I dated a light skin. My first love was light skin. And I had to yeah. learn that he was even in the middle between his own like black family that was like, Oh, well you're light skin. So life's easier for you. Yeah. And yeah. like some of his darker family members would even like make funny jokes or passive jokes about like him being. And I think that's something in as white people, yeah. if you aren't exposed to that, you don't even know that there is also this whole other category of like oh, privilege God. based it's on, the the amount of melanin in your skin yeah, and like that, it's different you know like we just don't understand it's so there's so much depth to what you're saying right now yeah. it's just crazy to yeah me. yeah and like even like you just kind of touched on like in the black community even when it com comes to dating like you know if you do something like if you're a light-skinned girl and like you don't text back fast enough you're like oh that's light-skinned shit you know what i mean i'm like right. what well, like, i just think white people finally started to learn about this in popular culture when Beyonce started talking about Becky. Yeah. And so yeah. that was when I think one of the first cultural moments, big cultural moments, like obviously there've been other music references to things like that, but white people didn't pick up on it until yeah. Beyonce made it about her cheating husband, you know what I mean? And her relationship that was so heavily publicized 
that that's when people understood, oh, what does Becky with the good hair mean? Like I knew what that meant because I, there were times when I grew up as a white person, and this is why I feel so passionate to speak about this topic is I didn't realize there were so many people that didn't have the education that I had growing up, but there were a lot of times that I was the only white person in the room based on the neighborhood I grew up in. And so this, this shit right here, like, this is what I want Rachel Hollis to see, not to call her out, not out of negativity, but Rachel Hollis is raising a black child. Yeah. And, and people like her just using her as an example, not that she's good, bad or anything. Like I I don't mean any harm or negativity Mm -hmm. about that. It's just that there are a lot of white parents even, or your, your mom isn't white, but you were sheltered from racism, but there are a lot of white people, even in my circle, raising black and brown kids that are sheltering their kids from these experiences that you then had to deal with and learn about in college. Yeah. And it was like an entire identity crisis, you know, because I was like not even really identifying with that part of myself right away because not only did I have the mom, like that mom figure who like didn't allow me to do that, but also like it was like I had also experienced the colorism and like not being accepted by a lot of black women or being bullied by black women in school. So I had built up my own resentment for my own people. And like part of me had my own subconscious biases where I was like, you know, y'all are just jealous, like blah, blah, blah. Like just different things like that, where it's like, you can't even like relate to your own culture. So like when I did see that happen and I started having emotions and like trauma, like lit, like coming up from that, I realized like, you know, being black isn't supposed to just look one way, you know, like even though I wasn't accepted by this group of people or whatever, like being black isn't about how you talk, how you dress, how you, what music you listen to, et cetera. It's literally just, it's just being black. You know what I mean? Like there's different aspects to that. It looks different all over. Just like the same with, with being white or being Asian, like everyone has their things. And like, I had my own ideas of like what blackness looks like. And because I wasn't that, I was like, Oh, like I'm a higher caliber black person. You know yeah, what I mean? That's so, I mean, like white people need to hear, I mean, we need to hear about these stories. So thank you for sharing these stories because you said something like you had to deal with your own, your own identity, your own shit and addressing those issues. I've had to address a lot of my issues. Like yeah. I thought I was woke, you know, I thought I was an ally. I fucking wasn't. So could yeah. you give some of our, watchers listeners if you're listening on the podcast some tips on how to like because you spoke so well on this about your own personal experience but how can we be a better ally yeah like like how can I be a better ally how can white women because like you said there's different levels or different um people that express their blackness differently how can people express their allyship differently does that make sense yeah, absolutely. So first things first, I want to just say that allyship is not just simply showing up to the occasion and using your voice only, right? Like, if you want to be a true ally, like, you have to do the internal work. Like, you have to be willing to, like, look at yourself and, like, go back to, like, your childhood, your how your parents indoctrinated you, what racial biases you have, and, like, be willing to, like, change the narrative within yourself. And um, one of the ways that I've suggested on my profile openly is like telling people like, look at when 
you watch Hollywood films, how black people are commonly portrayed in Hollywood. Like Mm -hmm. that will let you know, like how you possibly project your biases into the world when it comes to black people. Um, and, and take notes. Yeah. And take notes. Take exactly. Notes. Cause you're not going to, re- if you're not intentional when you're watching that, like take fucking notes. Like yeah. how are you remembering this moment? Because yeah. if you're not in the moment and if you don't go into that movie with intent to learn or that documentary with intent yeah. to learn, if you're yeah. just watching it just for casual leisure, yeah. like any other yeah. film, you won't yeah. pick it up. You have yeah. to and go into it with intent. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because I actually have a lot of friends who are in Hollywood, they're actors and actresses. And they're like, every time I go to an audition, like they're always telling me to be the angry black girl or they're telling me to be like the funny black, the funny black guy, like, you know, and you you commonly see black actors and actresses in film who adhere to that stereotype, you know, where they're being like the the super angry black woman or the loud person or like the person who's like dies first. That's another yeah. thing. Like, right. Oh, yeah. The serial killer movies. Yeah. The- <laughs> it's like the black person always dies first, like, or whatever, you know? Right. And, um, you know, also being a better ally means like being, not being in that mindset of where you have to like get it right and you have to be perfect and you have to be like the white savior. You know what I mean? Like so many people are concerned with like, what to say, how to say it, how to not be like, say the right thing. And they're like wanting to be perfect at it. But it's like, just like anything, you have to show up to the occasion consistently and fuck up and fail and like get called out and have, and be willing to be open to feedback and education and stuff like that. And I think that's why, you know, right now is such a powerful time to do that because, you know, you have so many people who are willing to educate, who are willing to share their voices and it doesn't have to be like in a toxic nasty way yeah but it's like people who are like genuinely trying to help you you know if if someone is trying to tell you the truth listen this is rule number one of coaching are you open to receive this and so I always ask like before I get feedback like are you open to receive this because I had a we had a co-coach in one of our programs I won't call her out by name she's young she's sweet she grew up she did I I imagine I don't know her full story that she grew up with no black friends or very few black friends and so she wants to do better, but she doesn't know how to do better and she's afraid. And so I reached out to her. I saw her make a post that says, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to stay neutral or something like that. And I reached out to her and all I said was, are you open to coaching on this? Mm-hmm. And and that's how we have to approach the people. Because if we want to build a true bridge, like, yeah. don't get me wrong. The most loving thing you can do is tell someone the fucking truth. Because yeah. everyone knows my clients will get on stage at Summit of Slay and tell you that they are afraid of me because I say the truth. And I don't fucking care about your feelings. I care about your results. Yeah. I don't care about your ego. I care about your your next level self. Like I yeah. am a mama bear at heart and I'm really good coach because I tell the truth. Yeah. But a lot of people don't have that coaching skill set. They yeah. don't have the yeah. skill set to be able to say to their, their ally or wannabe ally friends, say, hey, you're fucking it up. You're doing it wrong. Like they don't have the coaching skill set. So as white allies or want to be allies, we have to understand that not everyone that's giving us feedback understands how to properly deliver feedback in a way that you're going to receive it right now. So what we need to do as white people, as actual allies or allies on the move or trying to be allies or allies in training or whatever you want to call yourself, (laughs) like whoever you are and whatever you want to call yourself, whatever, wherever you are in your ally journey, you have to understand that it's, this is... I know you've heard people say this already. It's not about you, but it's not just those words. 
you have to understand that the person attacking you, whether it be a white ally or whether that be a black person or a person of color that is asking you to change, they might not be delivering the feedback the right way, but it's coming from the right reasons. So ask yourselves, is this person trying to actually hurt me or is this person trying to invoke change? And so, or is this a reflection of their own individual pain in the moment? So ask yourself those questions when someone is giving you feedback, like, are they trying to actually fucking hurt me? No, they're trying to support the movement right now. And maybe there are a few people out there that are trying to do the woke Olympics, trying to see who can look the most (laughs) woke or whatever. Like as someone who said that term and I'm like, that's hysterical. Like, yeah. It is though. It's, it's like popping it's up on so my cool. feed and, and I'm, I'm here for it though. Like, go ahead, be, you know, like <laughs> say the wrong things because I would rather you say the wrong things and say nothing. So what can you give as examples for what not to do if they yeah. want to be a true ally? Yeah. So I want to just say, preface this with like the anger, the aggression, the rage, that kind of stuff, people need to understand that this isn't just from George Floyd. This isn't just from Breonna Taylor. This isn't just from Ahmaud Arbery. This isn't just from Trayvon Martin. This isn't just from all those people or in the ones and the other ones that I didn't mention, the hundreds, thousands, millions before. It's not just that. Like literally, ge- this is generational trauma that is a part of Black DNA. Mm-hmm. Like, it's affected us in so many ways to down to our mental health and how that gener- regenerates itself in our DNA, in our culture. So I think that that's what people need to understand first and foremost is that, Hey, like this isn't just like some random ass anger because of this incident. Like this is actually an ingrained trauma. Mm-hmm. This is an ingrained trauma that's been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. And it's, and it's, now being that coming up and people are dealing with it. Right. So, so the, a good so, analogy, I want to interrupt you because yeah. I want to touch on what you just said. Yeah. The generational trauma that's passed down, it's passed down, it's passed down. I want white people that are listening. I want you to imagine the trauma that she just described. Picture that in your family and say, Oh, well, alcoholism runs in my family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, trauma runs in their family. Anger runs like that is passed down. So every time a white person uses an excuse as, oh, well, I have an addictive personality because (laughs) I don't know a single white person or a lot of people who don't have some type of alcoholism or addiction issues that is in their family that doesn't have an uncle or somebody that says, oh, well, it runs in our family. Like, and genuinely people that don't understand what she is saying right now, there is science to back up what she is saying that Mm -hmm. trauma changes the DNA in your body. This is my brain science nerd. So I I teach on brain science and storytelling all the time. Trauma is actually changed in your body. So when you experience trauma, that changes and alters your DNA in your body. And then you have babies. And then that trauma is passed down to those babies. It is actual genetic trauma that is actually passed down for up to eight generations. So how far removed are we from slavery? Not that, not that fucking far anyways okay yeah. so keep yeah. going. yeah and so I just had like another thought as you were saying that it's like and it's not just like oh black people and police brutality it's oh how black people are also portrayed in the media like you know oh how the propaganda against black people oh trump stickers everywhere like there's daily triggers that are like reminding you oh, of I'm like 
What about recently? It still happens. The angry black woman story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fucking, what is her name? A, a, America's Got Talent. D-Wade's mm. wife. Yeah. Gabrielle Union. Yeah. She's filing a civil liberty suit against America's Got Talent. And yeah. she she spoke up in the moment and no one listened to her. Yeah. And they call her the angry black woman. Well, you're being yeah. difficult. You're yeah. being difficult because you're saying someone here is racist. Oh, yep. well, that's you being angry. Yeah. That just happened this year. <laughs> yeah. It's literally everywhere. And it's like that also causes us to have to like either like live in fear constantly, which is also like a thing that affects your energy and your DNA and your mental health. But also it's like, you can't even be fully expressed as yourself, you know, like not that, I mean, I'm fully expressed, but I'm saying like some people like who actually live this reality constantly and who don't have as much privilege, like you can't, you are constantly like being aware of how you're being, you know, Mm -hmm. like I, I said this on a live stream the other day, you know, I sometimes going into the store I don't feel comfortable reaching into my purse when I'm in an aisle to pull out my phone because I'm like, I don't want some person to like, you know, see me reaching in my purse and think I'm like putting something in like stealing from the grocery store. You know, like what am I putting in an apple? Like, you know what I mean? You know why though? Because that could cost you your life. Yeah, exactly. And there's person, white people, we don't have, we don't fear. And it's not just fear of getting arrested though. Yeah. Yeah. Or getting a citation or whatever. Like yeah. white people, because this is what I already know that white people are going to say when they they hear that. They'll say, well, I fear getting arrested for shoplifting too. Yeah, but you yeah. don't fear for your life because yeah. of that. Yeah. That, that's the difference though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Yeah. Because people think like it's just a matter of like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I might get arrested or some shit. But like, pe- like it's, it's literally like police feel, especially when it comes to black people, they have this superiority complex and like they, they feel like they have in that moment to like do whatever they will with you. And that's not just because it's police. It's like, that's how slave masters were. Mm-hmm. That's how the KKK were. And, mm-hmm. and when they ran the streets rampant in society and burned down black, black, black neighborhoods and kidnapped black children and mm-hmm. killed them. It's like, an ingrained superiority complex where it's like, I know that I can get away with this because this person is black. And that is not genetic. That is taught from generation to generation. And here's an example of how my white parents or white family members or white friends, I don't even remember who, I just remember these stories happening to me. So here's an example to touch on William's comment. So he said, why are they afraid of black men? We are taught to be afraid. And Mm. so I am from West Louisville. I grew up in Shively. I grew up in South Louisville. I was often the only white person in the room when I played on the basketball court or when I went to camps. Like my, I grew up in a different way than I didn't realize other white people didn't grow up that way. And so for me, going downtown, going downtown or West Louisville was to drop my friends off after basketball practice was to drop my boyfriend off at his friend's house. And I had family members saying, you shouldn't go there. And I, as a kid, as 16, like you don't, and when people say, I teach my kids not to see color because kids learn racism, that's not passed down genetically. It's taught by family, but it's little micro lessons 
like the ones that my family said, hey, don't go to West Louisville. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. And that's how we are taught as white people. So if you're a family, if you're a white person watching, I want you to ask yourself, have you ever been told not to go to the West End? Because I I have a very large following in my own city. So if you're watching and you're from Louisville, have you ever been told it's not safe there? There's things like that that are like micro lessons that are, we don't realize, or subliminal ones or media or whatever, but it's stuff like that, that like, we don't, we have to unlearn. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like representing of like what happened with the Amy Cooper situation in New York, where the girl was in New- was in the Central Park and was like saying, I'm going to call the police and like tell them that a black man is trying to attack me and my dog. And I'm like, when she said black man, like she didn't say man, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? She said, I'm going to tell them that an African-American man right. is, is, and I'm yeah. like, oh my God, like what? This is in Manhattan. Right. Like. Upper East Side. This is Gossip yeah. Girl. XOXO, bitch. Like, yeah. fuck off. <laughs> I was like, wow. Like, I mean, I'm grateful for social media for highlighting these things now because it's almost like you're kind of unconscious to it if you mm-hmm. if you don't experience it, you know? Mm-hmm. And and Louisville is very gentrified. So um, it's a, a city that does have a very diverse school system. Like, they've done their best. I don't condone a lot of things from the school system, but we do have a diverse school system. But because of that, we, our kids sit right on buses for two hours a day. And yeah. um, we literally are taught in this city, don't go there. That's not safe. Oh my God. I swear. Like, I don't know. I mean, Indies, you've been here. So you've visited yeah. before. So, you know, like, it's crazy. Like we are literally, but it's like, you don't, our parents. Okay. So like your mom sheltered yeah. you, right? Yeah. And as parents, it's our instinctual job to protect our children. Well, we don't yeah. actually know that the lessons that we are passing down are harmful in the moment or blocking them from their own lessons and blessings. Yeah. Because I always say blessings and lessons are the same thing. Like we, as parents, it's not even helicopter parents. Sometimes they're lawnmower parents. They want to mow down your kids' problems before they ever experience any problems. Right. That doesn't prepare us for the real world. Like I didn't realize these lessons that I was taught by my white family that, Oh my God, that's fucking racist. And they're not doing it to be racist or to be harmful. And these are the unconscious white biases that I'm talking about. It's the people that say, I don't see color or I'm not a racist, but you have unconscious biases that are hurting black people that we need to address. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. And it's so true. And it's like, um, again, back to like the allyship, how to be an authentic ally. Like it's not easy to look at your shit and be like, um, yeah, like this is technically an, an, a bias that I have, or this is something that I was taught and like, yes, it's ingrained. Like, being an ally means being able to hurt and feel through your own stuff because you deeply desire to be a part of the real change, right? Like, again, it's not enough to just show up and say Black Lives Matter. It's not enough to go protest. It's not enough to like do all of that and, and not work on yourself, right? Like, just like in business, you can take all the action and do all the things. If you're not working on your mindset and your energy, then you're still not going to see the level of results that you want to see. So it's like the same with being an ally. Like, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not just about going out in the world and like saying things and taking the action. Like it's also doing the work on yourself. Yep. And that's not seen on social media. Yeah. 
exactly. That's not like, it's not what people are going to pat you on the back for, for being a good, good ally. Good ally. You did a good job. Like (laughs) I am speaking up a lot because I took this whole fucking week because I am going back to my business because I do need to make money so that I can support the movements that I want to support and employ the, the women that I want to employ. So like I took this whole fucking week because this is like sprinting out the gate. I want all my white ally friends to look at this like, okay, we're going to get off the blocks hot, but then we have to get, gather our pace and we have to keep going and we have to find our own balance and you're going to get tired and you're going to get, but everyone keeps saying it's a marathon, it's a marathon, it's a marathon, but we need more white people on board with this marathon. So if you are committed to being an ally, drop me an emoji, comment below. Cause I have more questions for Fallon in just a second, but I want to know that you are in this with me for the long haul, not for a performance, not for a one-time checking off a diversity box. Like I want people in this together. So Fallon, can you tell them a little bit about what you have coming up, how they can work with you a little bit about what your business model is and what you do? Cause you are more than just a fucking anti-racist educator. <laughs> this Literally. is what people are asking you for right now. But yeah. that's not who, that's not your identity, right? Like, yes, you are yeah. a strong black woman, but what is your identity? How can they work with you? Yeah. So, um, basically I'm a marketing strategist, but you know, titles, films, and multidimensional, right? Um, so I have currently, it's on, it's on a wait list right now. We just sold out. There's over a hundred people in for this live masterclass. Um, but there is actually a masterclass that I'm posting next week on Wednesday. You Sign up for the waitlist to get access to purchase the replay. It's all about how to activate your voice and be an authentic ally for activism for Black lives, specifically for Black lives. Yep. So um, Jamie has the link. I She's posted, gonna- yeah, there, there might not be an order. I think the masterclass is the last one. The masterclass is the last one. And then also I have um, a content creation and social media marketing course. It's all about authentic magnetism. So in my brand, in my business, I infuse energy and spirituality and everything. I truly believe that like the old paradigm of marketing is like so dead and it doesn't work anymore and it's boring and it takes away from your authenticity online. So I created a course that is basically helping you um, magnetize people to you by using your truth and doing that with, um, of course, the practical social media strategy mm-hmm. and content creation. I am like the queen of content. I do have a business since you are my content guru, queen. Yes. Can you help my white friends navigate selling in this time? Because I think that mm-hmm. is one of the biggest, and I'll probably record this separately just for Instagram because this is yeah. probably like the most asked question that I am getting right now. So yeah. how can they navigate being an ally while also selling in this climate? Yeah, exactly. So right now, being an ally in selling and doing that during this time is really about how you position your message, right? So it's like you can tie anything that's going on, especially in this climate, into what you're selling, right? You can find a reason why what's going on is supportive of what you have, right? So if you're you know, a healer, you have like a mindset course, you have something like that. That's like, um, you know, in the realms or anything, anything that you're selling is really, you can position it with your message to align with being supportive during this time, right? Because as a digital business owner, you're helping people solve their problems. And in this climate, there's almost always a way that what you have 
can be tied into um, what's happening, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really just about how you position your message and being authentic and like strategic about it, of course. And then like finding how you can add more uh, resources or more support into what you have that also aligns with uh, supporting people during this time. So that's what I would say. And that's basically what I've done is like, I was like, okay, I'm going to teach about marketing, but I'm going to tie it into what's happening right now. And what that means is like, how can people create content that's authentic to their allyship right now to support Black Lives Matter? So that's why I created the masterclass. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, cool. Does anyone else, before we hop off here, does anyone have any questions for Fallon before we, before we go? I want to make sure, because there's a little bit of a delay here. Um, I think it's super, super, super helpful. I'm super grateful for you taking your time. And I also want to encourage anyone out there, like if you have education that you need and that you desire, it is fucking out there, guys. Like you can Google it. You can take a million, like take this masterclass, take a different masterclass, get a book. Like our, like how, how can we help our black friends <laughs> tell, tell my little hello please <laughs> he said tell my little cousin hello please um like how can we help them because how is i mean how is your energy right now how do you feel you know it's interesting like i feel like i've never had more energy in my entire life mm-hmm. like it's so interesting because i'm like waking up every day and I'm on the go like I'm I actually had to like yesterday I was like let me take a step back and like I went to the whole foods the the vitamin whole food store and I got like a bunch of like supplements to like support my immune health and like my gut health and all these things because I realized like I was showing up so heavily and with so much energy that I was like forgetting about myself you know what I mean and so I have I just feel like, I feel the fire from this, you know, mm-hmm. um, I feel the fire. And also like some days I have moments where I'm like super sad and I'm like, how did this happen? But then it's like, also like the video, of, like what happened with George Floyd is like ingrained in my head. It's like, every time I see that I get reignited. I'm like, so like in this like warrior energy, right? Just my voice, my throat chakra is like on fire. And I'm just like spewing the truth and mm-hmm. just like trying my best to like be graceful about it but also like say what people need to hear, you know? And sometimes it's not comfortable. And I also like, I just jumped back into my fitness journey because I found myself also like, Oh, I need to fill this cup. We need to fill our cups. We need to take care of ourselves because this is, this is a long, this is a long journey, but here's the thing about energy and Fallon teaches on energy too. Here's the thing about energy guys. So um, if I hear one more person, (laughs) If I hear one more person say, oh, this is so heavy. I have to run and hide. I get it. Like you're allowed to feel all those feelings, guys. Like nobody wants you to bypass how you're feeling. But I want you to understand how energy works. That same as calories, right? Like I used to be a former fitness coach. So um, calories are energy. You can have 2,000 calories of junk food or you can have 2,000 calories of vegetables. Which one is going to fill up and take up more space in the world? Which one is going to look better? Which one is going to be more like fulfilling and nourishing to your soul and body obviously the 2,000 calories of vegetables versus 2,000 calories of Snickers like (laughs) there's gonna there's a difference here and so 
energy is energy. It's the same as calories. It's all energy. So we can transform that energy into the type of energy that Fallon has just described. So Fallon described how she has felt more energized than ever. So we, if you are feeling heavy, ask yourself, how can I use this? How can I use this energy as fuel? How can I use this heaviness as anger, as rage, as excitement, as joy, as like, this is an awakening and this is good for all of us. And I want white people to know that this isn't just good for black people. (laughs) Like, this isn't like, oh, we're just fighting someone else's fight. Like humanity has to do this. Like we all have to do this in order to carry on in order for us all to grow and be better. So Fallon, thank you so much for being here. Do you have anything else you want to say before we go? No, that's all. This has been such a good conversation. having You're amazing. You're a light. Keep shining your bright little light and no one knows you're 21. Like own the (laughs) fact that, yeah, bitch, I'm 21 and I'm a badass. So (laughs) that shit. All right. I love you guys. Thank you so much. 